Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, and this is a special Friday for Sports in the Smokies because we actually have some sports to talk about. It's been a while, but uh, we've got some uh, NFL news. Obviously, the draft started last night, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Then uh, we've actually got some golf news, and there may be some NASCAR news coming down the pike here in a little bit. So we've got some sports news, which is always nice. And uh, as promised, earlier in the week, I do have my own brand of a cooking show. Uh, if you watched the show with Frank and Kira yesterday, you saw the end result, the uh, banana pudding and pecan pie, um, and I did do a little cooking demo, so we'll show that here in a few minutes. So we got a lot to do here today, and we're going to get started and dive right in to the sports piece and talk about the NFL draft. So once I do this, There we go. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft. And uh, the first round went... Eh, stop that. There. Now it'll stay where I want it. So uh, the NFL draft first round started last night, and it comes as no surprise that Joe Burrow from uh, LSU, awesome quarterback, was taken in the first pick of the draft pretty much what everybody expected. There were a few surprises in the draft, um, and one of them was exactly how dominant the SEC turned out to be during the draft process. Uh, Fifteen players from the SEC were taken in the first round. That's a record. Uh, they set the record when they hit 13 last night, and two more players went after that. Obviously, Alabama and LSU dominated the uh, draft, but there were also players from Georgia, Auburn, South Carolina also were taken in the first 32 picks. So it was kind of interesting to watch. I don't know if any of you guys watched it. I did. Um, instead of having the big, huge ceremony that they normally do, it was scheduled to be in, in uh, Paradise, Nevada, uh, right outside of uh, Las Vegas. They went with a virtual setting where everybody was working from either the ESPN home studio or their own studios at home. And uh, it was pretty interesting. It was nice that the players were all at home with their families instead of you know up there on the big stage. So you got to see the family celebrate with the players and uh, several of them were really overcome with, with emotion as the draft went on. So uh, pretty interesting story. And we're gonna talk about that some more when we uh, do the after show uh, the podcast after the show. But uh, so the interesting thing about the draft is we don't really know whether or not there's going to be an NFL season. And I guess really there is going to be a season. We're just not exactly sure how it's going to play out because with social distancing and some of the venues, the uh, governors in the Associated States are saying things like, we won't go back to full sports and large gatherings until we have a vaccine. Then uh, we don't know whether they're gonna be playing in those stadiums or they may just set up a few specific stadiums and run games there. Um, more than likely from what we're hearing right now, they're gonna be played without fans in attendance. And uh, certain teams like the Bengals are kind of used to that. So, you know, I'm sure the other teams will be calling that. How do you play in an empty stadium? How, how do you uh, get excited for the games? 
So uh, we'll see how that goes. But the draft goes on for two more days, and obviously ESPN and ABC are making a huge deal out of it because it's the first real sports news that we've had since, uh, oh, this whole mess started back in March. And uh, as a sports guy, and I've been watching all the other sports folks, we're kind of desperate for something to talk about um, with all the local sports shut down, high schools, colleges. You know, if you've watched some of the sports casts or you've listened to the guys on the radio, they're really reaching desperately for topics. Um, I'm doing a cooking show. Kind of tells you where we are with sports news. So it's really nice that we get the NFL going. A couple of other stories that we are covering. And let's go to the next one. So, a little bit of PGA news. And Frank talked about this a little bit yesterday. We have a charity match raising money for COVID-19 relief that's being set up. It's going to be a four-player match between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, and they're going to be assisted by Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So that's going to be kind of an interesting matchup. There's already some uh, trash talking going on. Tom Brady said, yeah, I've never had any trouble beating Tigers or Colts, so this should be, go pretty easy. Um, problem with that is when you look at the playoff record, Manning has the edge over Brady in wins. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Again, it will be played at a course to be named. They haven't uh, set, settled with that yet. Uh, the PGA hasn't sanctioned the event yet, and they have to for any live uh, broadcast or streamed event. The PGA has to sanction it if their players are going to be involved. So there's still some uh, things to work out. We don't know what, where they're playing. We don't know when. Uh, it does look like it's going to be sometime in May. So should be kind of interesting. Like I said, already some trash talking going on. And we'll see how that plays out. Then the next piece of sports news that we have, which is kind of nice, is we're getting back to NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR has been doing something kind of interesting. They've been doing iRacing. Now, there's an iRacing league. I is uh, just like an iPad or an iPhone. It's interactive and it's online. So what that means is you know, they're basically playing video games. Now, normally this is something that just fans and professional gamers have been doing, going with. And the league has been around for 10 or 12 years. But what NASCAR has been doing is over the last several weeks, they've been getting their drivers to join in on this and running an official cup race. It doesn't count for points, but it does, it still involves the sponsors, it, install, it uh, involves the drivers and uh, their teams as well. There's uh, pit crew competitions, the whole nine yards. So they've really gone a long way to try to provide some sort of product for their fans while we're in this waiting period. And uh, there was an interesting incident a couple of weeks ago. Bubba Wallace, during the iRace, got put into the wall twice and uh, basically said, that's it, I'm out, and, and quit the race. And his sponsor at the time said, uh, okay, good to know, nice doing business with you. So even though it is a virtual race, there might be some real world consequences. But we're getting 
pretty happy because it looks like NASCAR will be coming back with live races and they're trying really hard to get there for the uh, all-star race coming out of Charlotte. And that's a few more weeks down the road and what they're looking at is getting permission from the governor to hold the race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now they've already been released to work in their shops. So the racers can get into their shops, the teams can get in there, prep the cars, and start getting ready for racing. So there's a chance, I don't know how good of a chance that it is, but it seems to be fairly likely that we will have actual NASCAR racing going on in just a few weeks. NASCAR has said that they do want to make up all the races that have been missed. Uh, we got four races out at the beginning of the season and then COVID-19 shut everything down. So what they're wanting to do, and uh, there is a schedule out there, that they will do some midweek races. And on these short weeks, I'm sure they will shorten the race um, and uh, do a couple of other things. It'll be a shortened uh, run up to the race. And then they'll do their scheduled race on Sunday and then make up for some of these missed races on some of the open dates and maybe some short weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work in some of these older races uh, that they've already missed into the schedule. But NASCAR has said they do want to complete all races before the end of the season. So we'll see how that plays out. So some good stuff going on in the world of sports. We finally have some things to talk about. Um, Coach Fulmer, now athletic director Phil Fulmer from the University of Tennessee, says he believes there will be football in the fall. Um, I hope he's right. We'll see. It may again be played in front of an empty stadium and just televised. Uh, I know a lot of people, like Frank, like to watch games from their home. You get a good view and you're in air conditioning and a beer is not $12. So there are some advantages to that. I like to go to the games live and I will tell you that as soon as the stadium's open, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be in Thompson Bowling Arena. I'll be at Neyland Stadium. If there's a game, I'm going because that's, I like the live atmosphere. So that's kind of your sports update for today. And uh, I'm really happy to see some of this is coming back. Uh, Craig Bummerstedt has a comment. Says, too bad the XFL tanked again. I was hoping they would have another season. It was so good. It was. The games were exciting. They were playing straight up football. But like so many other businesses right now, they're, they just could not maintain uh, a profitable mod model when this uh, COVID-19 hit. And that, was, that's, that really is too bad. And uh, I feel sorry for the players. I don't know, I haven't seen a press release that says the XFL is done, done. Um, and I could have missed it. Uh, but they did shut down the season because of COVID and uh, did say that they weren't going to bring it uh, back this year. So I haven't heard anything definitive for next year. So I'll keep my fingers crossed that they'll give it another shot next year. Uh, Vince McMahon is extraordinarily persistent. So he gets an idea and he, he follows through on it. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, it's still going to be a weird sports world going forward because we're, the venues are going to be empty of people until we decide that it's going to be safe to go back. And I'm going to talk about that on the After Show podcast. Uh, Frank talked a little bit about risk assessment and balancing risks. And that's something I do in my professional life. So we're going to talk about that 
and how it will play out as we move forward um, recovering from the COVID-19 uh, incidents. So we'll go through with that. But from a sports perspective, it's going to be interesting to watch the players playing in an empty stadium. Because if you ask any athlete, the crowd is definitely a factor. Frank likes to give me a hard time because I always say we when I'm talking about the Vols. You know, we won, we did this, we did that. And obviously, I don't play football. I'm old. But when you talk to the athletes, they will tell you fan support is extremely important and it has a huge effect on the game. There's a reason that we talk about a home field advantage. And uh, when you have 100,000 people urging you on, cheering for you, it does boost your play. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of, what level of play we see when we don't have that uh, atmosphere. So that's sports moving forward. So now we're going to move into the cooking portion of the show, which is going to be a little bit of fun and uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, like I said yesterday, I brought the end results in and Frank and Kira got to try them and then all the, the uh, staff and uh, I may grab some between now and the podcast because I haven't had any yet. So uh, let's go ahead and we're going to roll part of the video and you'll get to watch me in the kitchen cooking and see how I developed this wonderful figure. So let's go ahead and roll that. All right, so the pecan pie is in the oven and that means it's time to start working on our banana pudding. So I've got my stuff set up in front of me, washed all my dishes, and now I'm getting ready to get them dirty again. So the first thing we want to do is cut up our bananas and get them ready to go. And cutting up bananas pretty quick and easy. You don't need a super sharp knife. You want your cuts to be about even. And if you notice, the banana sticks to the knife and that lets me set up for my next one. So I'm getting them cut all roughly to the same size. And they'll just go right in there like that. And we'll just get them all cut up. So when I get the bananas all cut up, then the next step will be to start lining my pan, which we will do here in just a moment. Incidentally, these bananas are probably just a little less than where I like them for my banana pudding. I like to use a very ripe banana and you can see these are still, they're ripe, but there's still a little bit of green up here on the end. I like them to start having some brown spots because I think that gives it a little bit more intense banana flavor. The recipe calls for six to eight bananas depending on how much you like banana and how much you want to put in there. If you have any left over, well, you know, there's always breakfast. Peeling a banana all the way down, open up the jacket, and then get that last little string. That's all there is to it. So I've got my dish, nine by 13 by two. And the first thing I'm going to do, I'm a traditionalist. I like the vanilla style wafers. You can go with a graham cracker crust. Um, I know some people to turn it into kind of a cheesecake thing. Uh, so it's really up to you. I'm, like I said, a traditionalist. And I'm gonna put about half of this bag in here. 
and I'm going to lay them out flat. I want to cover the bottom. So I'm not super particular about the pattern or the numbers. Um, if you are one of those folks who is very much into making sure that the numbers come out exactly right, more power to you. Have fun. Me, as long as the bottom is mostly covered, I'm good with it. Got a few broken ones. And uh, important tip, broken cookies have no calories. So uh, All right. For those of you who watched me eat broccoli, you can see that goes a whole lot easier right there. All right, so now I'm going to do the same thing with my bananas. And I'm gonna get a nice even layer of bananas all the way through this whole plate. All right, welcome back. You can see I've got almost all of my bananas here in the pan. And I am gonna have a little left over which is okay. I will mix some of that into the pudding mix that I'm getting ready to make here in a minute. And the rest will go on my cereal in the morning. So we'll set these aside for tomorrow. And again, washing the hands. All right, so I've got a pan filled with cookies and bananas. Now it's time to set up the pudding filling. I do this a little bit differently. It's uh, from a recipe from Paula Dean, and uh, <clears throat> it adds a little bit of a tart note to kind of uh, mellow out the sweetness of the banana. All right, so let's get rolling on that. And the first thing we do is make our pudding mix. I am using an instant pudding because uh, I'm a guy. If you want to use cook and serve or you want to make your pudding from scratch, go right ahead. More power to you. I don't see that there's much difference in the flavor here. So three cups cold milk. However, this calls for two cups cold milk. And I trust Paula more than I trust a box. So two cups. There's one. And two. And one of the reasons that we're going with a different amount of liquid is we're adding some stuff to this so that uh, it's going to take the place of that extra milk. So I've got my milk. And then my pudding mix goes in. Now, I am using vanilla pudding, not an artificially flavored banana pudding. And the keyword artificially flavored there is why I'm doing that. The flavor of the bananas, as this sits in the refrigerator overnight, is going to uh, move through the pudding and give it that good natural banana flavor that we want. Now, if you want to do this with a hand mixer or a whisk, Go right ahead, but uh, there we go.
So, if you saw what I did there, I pulsed it to get started. And what that did was it allowed the milk and the dry ingredients to pulse together. And then I continued pulsing a little bit to let it start to thicken up. That way I didn't get a kitchen full of pudding. So finish that off. Now rinse this because I'm gonna use it again in a minute for my whipped cream. So we'll let that sit over there. And the next step, now that I've got the milk and pudding mix blended, now I want to mix my next two ingredients together. And I'm out of bowls, I need another bowl. You can never have too many mixing bowls in a kitchen. If you think you have too many bowls, you're not paying attention. So we're gonna set that there for right now. And the next thing I need is some softened cream cheese. and condensed milk. So the condensed milk is going in here. Careful of the sharp edges. A knife to get the rest of this out. So I've got a sweetened condensed milk and this adds a ton of richness to the pudding and a ton of sweetness. But like I said before, we're gonna cut that sweetness a little bit with the cream cheese. So what I'm gonna do with the cream cheese, it's fairly soft, but I'm gonna put it in the microwave for a few minutes, a few seconds, excuse me, to let it warm up and uh, soften up more than warm up. And we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. I've got my softened cream cheese here into my mix, uh, or my uh, cream cheese is in the condensed milk. There we go. And I need to uh, mix these together. And like I said, this is going to make a uh, contrast, still going to be sweet, but not quite as sweet as the bananas and the vanilla pudding. So it's going to give it a little bit more uh, varied flavor, which is good. So I need to get this mixed together as best possible. Uh, again, I used my microwave. It has a softened setting for cream cheese. If you don't have that, just let the cream cheese sit out for about 30, 30, 45 minutes, depending on how uh, warm you keep your house. And it'll soften up nicely and then blend in pretty easily with the condensed milk. and that will finish this process. And again, I'm gonna start off pulsing it to make sure that I have control. There we go. All right, so we've got that. And once again, we're not through with this, so I need to clean it off. And of course, if you're looking for a workout because you've been stuck at home for several hours or several weeks, 
uh, you can always do this by hand. All right, so you can see that I've got this mix nice and uh, light, fluffy, and we're gonna make it even fluffier now because we're gonna make our whipped cream. You can buy whipped cream, you can buy Cool Whip, not a problem, or one of the other non-dairy whipped toppings. But it's not very difficult to make your own, and it's kind of fun. So I'm gonna go ahead and make this now. So one cup of heavy whipping cream. And there we go. Really good stuff in coffee, by the way. Much better than half and half. A little more calories, but you know, what, what's, it's coffee. All right. Then I'm going to need a teaspoon of confectioner sugar. Don't need this anymore. My measuring spoons. And half teaspoon. There's my teaspoon. Confectioner sugar, it's powdered or powder sugar. It's regular table sugar. It's been processed ultra fine and usually will have a little cornstarch or another base added to it to keep it nice and fluffy. And that's what we want. So a teaspoon of powdered sugar to sweeten it up. There we go. Doesn't take a lot, little goes a long way. And then a teaspoon of vanilla extract. I love zippers that don't zip. Ha! Or not. I'll get that when we're off camera. And a teaspoon of vanilla. And I actually need a tablespoon of powdered sugar. That's why it wouldn't close, because it knew I needed more. So thank you, bag of sugar, for not closing on me. So three teaspoons in a tablespoon. Since I already started with teaspoons, I'll finish two. Twelve. So that'll be a little sweet. All right. So we've got that in here. And again, we go to our whisk. This is going to get folded into the cream cheese and condensed milk mixture and then added to the pudding mixture. Now, a couple of things you'll notice as I do this. One, the volume's going to go up. We're not allowed this, the volume of the liquid in here, because I'm incorporating air as I'm whipping it. Um, you can do this, you do this first, and then you can put your flavorings in. You take it till it's almost ready, and then put your stuff in there. Um, I just do it first, it's a little bit quicker. All right, you can see it is starting to form, it's starting to lighten up. We started off with one cup. In here, we're up to almost two cups now, which is kind of cool. And what we want to do is bring this until it forms a soft peak 
when we pull the whisk out of there. If you can see how this is starting to form a peak, we're almost there. So we want to go a little bit further. So we have our whipped topping, and the next thing we're going to do is fold it in to our cream cheese and condensed milk mixture. But the first thing I'm going to do is hit this again with the whisk, and just make sure I do a little bit more work. because I want to make sure that that cream cheese is fully mixed in. All right, so we're done with you. You're good to go. Thank you, sir, for your service. Now, I'm going to bring the whipped cream over to you again and so you can see, see how it's holding that peak there in the bottom or in the top of the mug? That's where I want it. Okay, I've got it. It's a good, got a good, solid consistency. Now, here's the, not tricky part, but here's the part that takes a little bit of technique because what we want to do is fold the whipped cream into our cream cheese. I don't want to mix it in. I don't want to blend it in because I took all this time to build up these nice bubbles and make a light whipped texture. And if I stir it in there, then I break all those bubbles down and it just becomes goop. So I want to lightly fold it in. We want to get it mixed in, but we want to keep those bubbles intact. So. Whipped cream, freshly whipped, no preservatives, no additives, nothing but good old cream, sugar, and vanilla. All that we really need. All right, so now to fold it in, it's, it, the technique is exactly what it sounds like. I just fold it over. I'm not spooning, I'm not mixing, I'm not circulating, I'm not stirring. I'm just folding this whipped cream mixture into the cream cheese and condensed milk so that it stays light and fluffy the way we like it. Now, this is banana pudding. If you mess it up and you stir it up and it gets all flat and mushy, guess what? Still good banana pudding. This is just what takes it from good to uh. And now we mix all this together. So I'm taking my cream cheese and sweetened condensed milk along with the whipped topping. and I'm going to stir this all together. Again, I'm going to use a gentle hand. I'm going to do folding more than stirring because I want to maintain that lightness that we built. So now, 
Oh, yeah. Now you can see, or maybe, yeah, there you go, that the pudding has started to set up. And now we're mixing it in with the rest of our goodies and getting it all made. There's a big bit. And this is going to take a little bit of time. So through the magic of TV, I'll save you some time. You don't have to watch this whole thing. All right, so we finished mixing this up. So let's put these bad boys together. So I get my pan with my Nilla wafers and my, set that out of the way, and my bananas. And now I'm going to put the pudding mixture right on top of all of that. So I've got all of, well, not all of it, but I got a bunch of it in there. Got to save something to lick the pan, right? So I've got my pudding mixture in here, and now I'm going to spread it evenly all the way across the pan. Now, a lot of people will put whipped cream on top of their banana pudding. Uh, they really like it that way, and it's not bad. I mean, that's, that's fine. What I like to do is put more of the cookies on top of it after it's had a chance to set up. So what I'm gonna do is I've got this laid out kind of neatly. Don't want it too neat, it's banana pudding. There we go. And now that I've got that where I want it, the next step is to put the top on it and stick it in the refrigerator and let it set up. Now I'm gonna let this set up overnight And then when I'm ready to serve it, I'm going to put another layer of the cookies on top of it. And what that does is I've got the cookies at the bottom and they're going to absorb, all, absorb the moisture and get that nice, soft, chewy, gooey lusciousness. But then I'm going to have crispy, crunchy cookies on top of it. So I've got a nice little uh, contrast and textures there. So this is going to go into the fridge and it's going to sit there overnight and it's going to be ready to eat tomorrow. So when we come back from this, the pecan pie is about ready to be checked. So we'll look at All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I had fun making that, both the video and the pudding, and uh, I'm gonna help myself to a little bit here uh, between now and the podcast. Now we're gonna post the whole video, which also includes me making the pecan pie, uh, here in a few minutes after the show is over. And that will have uh, the section that we just showed you as well as all of the bits about making a pecan pie. So uh, that's what I did this week. It was kind of fun. Uh, next week, who knows what's going to happen next. I know that uh, Kira yesterday said that she's going to bake a cake for her show on Monday. So that'll be interesting. So that's kind of the show for today. What we'll be doing next is in a few minutes, I'll be going in to do the after show podcast. And like I said, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the sports stories that we, I covered. We'll also talk about risk assessment, uh, specifically, first in general, and then specifically based on COVID-19 and how we move forward. Businesses are beginning to open up and like Frank talked about yesterday, and we're just gonna pick up from that. We all need to be making decisions about the level of risk that we're comfortable with 
as we start to move forward and open our businesses back up and start returning to uh, normal life. So that's what's coming up in the After Show podcast. Now, it's the end of the week, which means we take a couple days off here in the studio, but we'll be back Monday. Captain Accurate will be doing his weather forecast every weekday at 9.15, plus special updates throughout the day as needed. Monday is Kira. She's doing her social isolation and her home show on Monday. Tuesday, we have uh, Santa Joe and Mrs. Claus reading a story with a giveaway, and uh, I've got to bring them some fresh banana pudding because I don't want Santa mad at me. That's just not a happy thing. Wednesday, we'll have uh, Jim Johnson and James Gilly with their musical guests doing their entertainment in the mountains, and uh, that's always fun. It's amazing what they can uh, type of show that they can put on here. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't checked them out, please do. Then Thursday, it's Ask Frank with Frank and Kira, and you never know what's going to happen during that show, and that makes it fun. And then Friday, I'll be back here, and we will might have some more sports. Uh, the area state parks will be opening up shortly, so we'll be out doing a little bit more hiking and giving you some outdoors information. And with uh, temperatures warming up and the weather getting good, uh, we may have some other outdoor activities, maybe some fishing, uh, hunting, who knows. So we'll get that going for you. And then once the Smoky Mountains open up, we're back in business. So again, keep watching us on Facebook Live, on Roku, on YouTube. Catch our podcasts wherever you uh, get your podcasts from. And remember, you can always ask Alexa to find it for you. We're there as well. And uh, that's kind of cool. My grandkids were messing around with Alexa the other day. Um, I'll save that story for the podcast. All right, guys, that's it for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. My name is Rich Haley, and we're here every Friday on Morning in the Mountains, and I'll see you next week.